right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Christian identians the world over, and especially in America, because uh, we know that the Rothschilds are going working overtime to try to take our guns away. In the last two weeks, we have three episodes of school shootings, and uh, of course, guns are to blame, of course, right? But last night, uh, I had an interview with Dave Gehari, and uh, I compared the number of deaths between people who die of gunshot wounds uh, across the board, not just school shootings, which is a very, very small minority, compared to people who die from medical malpractice, and the relationship is like 70 to 1. Uh, Michael, shouldn't we have a million mom march on Washington against the medical profession? Yes, they they are murdering more people. This uh, now I forgot. Um, there is an, an term for that. That is the most common cause of death in um, yeah in all of our nations. Malpractice. Uh, the, and I, I, yeah, this uh, this has an, They have made it also a word for it, but I forgot the word. What was the the word for it right now? Oh, I, okay. I will find it. Well, okay, uh, and uh, technically, it's iatrogenic disease. Yes. Iatrogenic exactly. is disease caused by doctors and, of course, includes death caused by doctors, right? So that's that's the number three cause of death in America. Yes, but probably then the government can control it. So they, they are right. producing you. Yeah. So they can they have control it over it. I don't know what's uh, – but, of course, and they make money of it. Yeah, right. And then the guns, that, that's uh, – what do you say? The, um, the servitude of slaves shouldn't have guns. Right, right. Well, the, the gist of what Dave and I were talking about last night was whether or not that incident in Uvalde and the shooter, was it staged from the very beginning or was the deep state trying to take advantage of a bad situation, right? In fact, there was a case where one mother actually entered the school and grabbed her own two children and brought them out while the cops were standing around doing nothing. Can you believe it, Michael? Can you believe it? Okay. So maybe what was going, maybe the delay was caused by the FBI or CIA wanting to get involved so that they can uh, turn this into another big anti-gun rally, right? And uh, manage it. But uh, it it all fell apart. Uh, Even the governor of uh, Texas said, why did they wait an entire hour before storming the castle, right? Why did they wait so long? Okay. So folks, it's another PSYOP. There's no doubt about it. So don't give up your guns. If somebody comes and tries to take your guns away, uh, show them your lead. That's all you have. We we have a right to self-defense, and they're trying to disarm us, period. Okay. All right. Uh, so enough about that, Michael. Let's get back to the uh, subject at hand. The Sons of Keturah, uh, a fantastic article, The Descendants of Abraham. Let me put it in the chat room. We're going to uh, pick it up uh, with Jethro, priest of Midian. And uh, the the previous episode we did talked about all of the descendants of Keturah residing in the Arabian Peninsula and and places close by. Uh, I was disappointed that the article never talked about the uh, uh, descendants of Keturah in India, but we have uh, done a couple of shows about that anyway. But now we're getting back into biblical stuff. This, the author was simply tracing the Keturahites 
throughout the uh, Middle East, the Arabian Peninsula, uh, even into uh, parts of Africa. And of course, these were all white people because they're all descendants of Abraham. <laughs> uh, the Bible said Abraham would have uh, many nations come from his loins. The same was said of Sarah. Uh, it wasn't said of Keturah, but it was certainly said of Abraham. And all of his descendants, including the sons of Keturah, the the one son of Isaac, which we became a uh, you know so, so many that uh, the, you, the stars of the sky, the sands of the sea, we could number the, the number of descendants of Abraham and uh, uh, Ishmael uh, through Hagar. They also lived in the, in the Middle East in the Arabian Peninsula, and they're all they're all white. Every single one of them is white. And you look at the uh, statuary and the uh, facade or faces on coins from those times you see all of them are white there was a not no non-whites anywhere except they may they may have been imported as slaves into the area by one tribe or another so anybody who says that uh, th- these were mixed race people is a liar the only mixed race people there were the canaanites okay those are the only mixed ones. All right, so Jethro, priest of Midian, if you want to pick it up, Michael. Yes, thank you. Um, so Jethro, priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law was called uh, Hubab, who was the son of um, Reuel or Raguel, and that is Numbers 10.29. Although there is much confusion over these names, it seems that um, Hubab was also known as Jethro, meaning his, his excellence. Um, Numbers 10, 29-32. And Moses said to uh, Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good to Israel. But they said to him, I will not go. I will depart to my own land and my kindred. And he said, Do not leave us, I pray you. For you know how we are to encamp in the wilderness. And you will serve as eyes for us. And if you go with us, whatever um, good um, the Lord will do to us, for the same will we do to you. And then we have Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. So the name uh, Hubab, and that's a uh, reference to uh, SHD 22.46, means the cherished or loved uh, uh, fervently, perhaps by God, just as much as his own people, which would explain the inspired advice he later gave to Moses regarding judgment uh, given to the Israelites. According to Eusephus, Hobab had Iothor, um, uh, i.e. Jethro, for a surname. Jethro's okay. sentence is given as son of Navel, son of Ravil, son of Moor, son of Anka, Son of Midian, son of Abraham. Okay. So, 
Uh, and we have here Eusephius, and this is from the uh, reference to Antiquarius the Jews, um, book okay. three. Sorry, uh, uh, let, me, uh, let me interject here, because mainstream Judeo-Christianity uh, likes to claim that, uh, uh, that Moses married a non-white. They even try to insist that he married a negress, right? So uh, this is absolute proof here that uh, Jethro's line of descent is directly from Abraham. Back to you. Yes, exactly, from Abraham. And, and Moses could never have had no. white children if he were a Negro. So. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, Eusephius uh, claimed that um, Raguel, also uh, real, as in verse 29, was Moses' father-in-law. However, Judges 4.11, uh, see below, clearly states that he was known as Hobab, Matthew Pole gives a reasonable explanation for this discrepancy in his comment on Exodus 2.18 below. Other commentators claim that Jethro was an honorary title, while Reuel was his um, personal name. Hence, as with the uh, Keturah Hagar question, there is some contradictory opinion over identity, and this perhaps sums up rather mysterious nature of the son of Keturah and their descendants. Okay, uh, this is a reference back to some people say that Keturah and Hagar are the same person, but that's out of the question. That's absolutely out of the question. Back to you. Yeah. Mm. So, Reul, uh, S7467, means friend of God and uh, is a title given to Abraham and was carried to Jethro as priest of Midian. Very good. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, priest of Midian. And then now this now a question. You had this city that the Israelites took go when they came from the captivity. Did that had the same name at Jethro? Oh, it's, uh, uh, are, you t- are you talking about Jerusalem? No, not Jerusalem. It no. was a city. Um, no, well, it wasn't a city that they took over, that the Canaanites took over. So that was the name of Jethro. Oh, it might have been. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, you know, maybe then I have to, to look it up because I know yeah. they did. When they come up from the activities, when they were coming into the Holy Land, then they, mm-hmm. they did capture a city uh, that was pretty well fortified too. Yes, yes. Well, uh, now, now, rule means friend of God. And uh, what does Jethro mean? Jethro, oh, it's a, Jethro, I guess, is a surname. Uh, I don't know if he uh, gives a meaning for it. But, uh, yeah, so uh, it's a surname, but uh, what was he called? Uh, So Raguel is simply another version of this title, friend of God. Okay, all right, back to you. Thank you. Raguel, yeah, in Planet of Earth. It was obviously carried by the priest of Midian, as it was carried by the father of uh, Hobab, and by Hobab, Jethro himself. Okay, so there's a lot of confusion with all these names uh, how many how many people are we talking about? And uh, so uh, tracing the line of descent is difficult because it's not actually given in Scripture. But we know uh, Midian was one of the sons of Keturah, and uh, this uh, article gives a reasonable line of descent from uh, Abraham down to Jethro. Back to you. Yes. Um and we have uh, Shubab, that is from Strong's 2246, means Sherist, 
and is de um, derived from 2245, uh, hide as in the bosom, to cherish. Okay. Um, Githro, Strong's 3503, means his excellence coming from um, Githra, and that's Strong's 3502, and that is excellence. Thus, we are looking at uh, Hobab, the name of Jethro, the title His Excellence. Hobab, the friend of God, is the uh, rendering of the name of Jethro. Hobab, uh, Reuel, or Raguel. Uh, Raguel. Uh, it is thus beyond doubt that we was um, sheikh and high priest of Midian and heard the uh, religious leader of the tribe. Yes, okay. And a direct descendant of Abraham. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yes. Yes. Um, another rule mentioned in the Bible is the son of Esau by um, Bashamath, daughter of um, Ishmael, and that is from Genesis 36, 4. Um, see the paper, Law and the Seventh Commandments. Um, and Burton in the uh, gold mines of Midian has this to say in his footnotes on page 332. Jethro's Muslim title is uh, Kathib al-Anbiya, um, or preacher to the prophets, on account of the word of wisdom which he bestowed upon his uh, son-in-law. Uh, that is from Exodus um, 2.18. Uh, some uh, writers have made him the son of uh, Mikael, um, um, Yashir, uh, Mad I cannot really pronounce it. Ibn. Madian. I, I'd be honest. Ibn. Ibn Madian. Uh, it's that's their version of Ben. The Hebrew Ben means son of. Ibn is uh, their their version of that. Okay. Aha, uh -huh, Ibn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Madian. But they are uh, charged with uh, ignorance by uh, Ahmed uh, Ibn uh, Abd el Halim. El Kesai states that uh, his original name was. Uh, uh, beyond that he was commonly a person but spare and lean very thoughtful of um, a few words um, and that's from the Quran something there other commentators add that he was old and blind in the um, Berakto Jethro and Rahab or Gentiles or strangers affiliated to Israel on account of their uh, good deeds and that is page 48, M. Schwab's versions, Paris Imperial National, 1871. Um, e. H. Palmer in the Desert of Exodus, um, the site Bell and Company, Cambridge, um, repeats the assertion that Jethro Hobab was blind and had been given a commission to preach the true faith. Um, Shoeb was uh, the Arab called Jethro. Moses' father-in-law is said to have been blind, notwithstanding with infirmity. He was divinely commissioned to preach the true religion lately revealed unto Abraham and, uh, and to convert the people of his native city, Midian. They erected this doctrine and mocked the blind prophet, um, for which sin they were destroyed by fire from heaven. Okay. While Midian was laid waste by an earthquake, Jethro alone escaped alive. He fled to Palestine and is said to be buried near um, Safed. Okay, so that's why we find him in the territory where Moses eventually <coughs> arrived. Okay, back to you.
Yes, thank you. Um, it appears that Jethro, uh, Hubab, the friend of God, uh, Raguel, Eusebius, um, took the fact of uh, supremacy over the Egyptians in the Red Sea as proof positive of the power of the angel of um, um, is it Yahweh they I'm to say that. Yeah, it should be Yahweh. It's uh, pronounced Yehovah. Uh-huh, okay. Three-syllable version, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, acting for the one true God. Uh, with Israel as the people of God, and as Exodus 18.11, he was already a priest of Midian, and it is obvious that he is observing the activities of the um, baying Sem to Israel as proof of the birthright promise given to Isaac. The view was uh, to continue down to the writings of the uh, Quran and is reflected in the Quran, the Kutura uh, or uh, pure Arabs, as well as the sons of Ishmael, recent that birthright to this very day. Mm-hmm. So well, this, is all, yeah, this is tying the ancient history of the Middle East and all of Arabia tightly together. This is, you know, it's kind of tedious reading but with all the footnotes and stuff, but it's proof positive that uh, the prophecy that Abraham would be the father of many nations, not just the Jews, and he wasn't the father of the Jews anyway, that uh, there, there's no Jews that... Uh, even remotely qualify as many nations. Back to you. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, but they are not either from him, Abraham. So they, they want to be, but they are not. They're not. Yes. Um, okay. And this is from Exodus 18, 1 till 12. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken um, um, Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her away, and her two sons, of whom the names of the one was um, um, Ger- Gershom. Gershom, uh, yeah, Gershom. Uh, for he said, I have been sojourned in a foreign land. And the name of the other, uh, Eliezer, for uh, he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of uh, Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, uh, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the, um, at the mountain of God. And when one told Moses, lo, your father-in-law, Jethro, coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet um, his father-in-law and did um, uh, obeisance. Ob- obeisance, obeisance, yeah, uh-huh. and kissed and, him. Uh, kissed him. <laughs> That's going too far. <laughs> Pro- prostrated himself, you know, like like the uh, baseball fans do when somebody hits a grand slam, <laughs> they bow down before the player. But of course, this was real obeisance, right? Not mock obeisance. Back to you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they uh, asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them uh-huh. in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. 
and yet rejoice for all uh, the good which the Lord had done to Israel, and um, in that he had delivered them out of the hand of uh, the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians when yes, they uh, dealt arrogantly with them. And of course, this is the King James translation where it should be Yahweh. Blessed be Yahweh who has delivered you out of the hand of the out of Pharaoh. I know that Yahweh is greater than all gods because he delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians, etc. Okay. And this is yeah. because Jethro uh, taught Moses the name of Yahweh. And uh, the Israelites had, they had forgotten it. Abraham knew it. But the Israelites had forgotten it after 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Back to you. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are forgetful. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tell me Isn't about it. What, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what Manasseh means? The forgetful Manasseh, one. Right. Manasseh means forgetful. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Very forgetful. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, I, I'm kind of Manasseh too. <laughs> All right. Maybe I'm a Manassite, right? All right. Back to you. Where did um, I put my yes, glasses? So. I can't find my glasses. All right. Yeah, but we forgot our our history war. That's, oh, that's our brief. Yeah, amazing. Right. Okay. Yeah. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, offered a burnt offering and sacrifice to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel uh, to eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, before God. Okay, so this and article, I, yeah, go ahead, finish your thought. Yeah, sorry, and I'm probably also forgetful because I forgot the city that they took over. So uh, can you uh, read on from here a bit so I can search in, I can look in okay. Josephus, because I think it was in Josephus' book that I read this. I, I'll have to look oh, okay. up. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, up. yeah. Well, what I, what I was about to say is that this article is giving tremendous background to the relationship between Jethro and Moses, and uh, it really illuminates the biblical passages about Jethro, which are very scant. But having all the background information that this article provides just really illuminates the entire scenario. I think this is a really outstanding document uh, that uh, I think every Israelite should uh, take advantage of. And of course, I posted it in the chat room, and I'll post it and also in the uh, download uh, in the upload, I should say, when we, we put this on the website. Okay, so uh, as you're searching, I'll continue here. There are also some noteworthy parallels in the encounter between Moses and Jethro, Exodus 18.1, etc. And the one between Abraham and Melchizedek recorded in Genesis 14. Genesis 14, 17-20. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by, by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Okay, this is Melchizedek uh, saying this to uh, Abraham. Uh, bullet points, five. Abram just had defeated Chedorlaomer, king of Elam while Moses had earlier witnessed the defeat of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. Jethro was the priest of Midian. 
Both Melchizedek and Jethro, blessed, that is, gave praises to God for their deliverance using very similar language. See verse 20 above and Exodus 18.10. Melchizedek brought bread and wine for a ceremonial meal with Abraham. Jethro also arranged a sacrificial meal and bread to be eaten with Moses, Aaron, and all the elders of Israel. So we see the uh, ritual of having a special meal uh, to uh, commemorate things uh, is already well established among the Israelites here. Uh, final bullet point. There is a general theme of peace and friendship in the two encounters. The king of Salem, uh, which means peace, uh, blessed Abram, while Jethro and Moses are said to have exchanged shaloms, which also means peace, in the typical Middle Eastern manner. Okay, so this word shalom is... Uh, it's uh, certainly of Hebrew origin, but it may have been a, a, a common root all over the Middle East because what we're talking about here, folks, is interrelated people, all the descendants of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. There were a lot of uh, even Japhethites still in uh, the Middle East. So uh, the entire Mesopotamian era area was uh, peopled by white people descended from Noah. Plain and simple, Okay. Exodus 4.18, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, quote, Let me go back, I pray to my kinsmen in Egypt, and see whether they are still alive. <laughs> okay, And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Oh, ye of little faith, Moses, right? <laughs> okay, You think the Egyptians would want to give up their slaves? Right? But probably what he meant was, uh, see how many of my people are still alive, you know, because I had to flee Egypt. They might have punished uh, my kinsman in Egypt for me, for what I did, okay, after he slew an Egyptian. Okay, anyway, how are you doing with that reference? You, you getting any closer to it? In uh, Okay, I guess he, he's uh, maybe looking for a, a book. Anyway, I'll continue. We see that on the day after these pleasantries, Moses sat down among the Israelites to make judgment upon a number of matters. Exodus 18.13 FF. Jethro advised Moses on a more practical way of doing this, both for Moses' sake and so that all his all his people shall go, also go into their place in peace. Jethro is depicted as especially favored and directed by God, as is also shown when his wise counsel is heeded by Moses. Okay, so Jethro slash Hobab slash uh, uh, What's his uh, original name here? Uh, oh, I forget now. Sorry, I'm, I'm Manasseh. So, uh, quoting Exodus 18, 13 to 27. On the morrow, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, quote, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand about you from morning until evening. You, you will die before you <laughs> before you judge all these matters. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between a man and his neighbor. I make them to know the statutes of God and his decisions. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to perform it alone. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. 
You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall teach them to the statutes and the decisions and make them know by the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, choose able men, and this is the really important advice here. Moreover, choose able men from all the people, such as fear God, men who are trustworthy and who hate a bribe. (laughs) Oh no, they can't take bribes? Wow, what kind of world would that be? And place such men over the people as rulers of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times, every great matter that they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people also will go into their place in peace. Okay, so another this heralded the judges period, which comes later. So Moses gave heed to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, of hundreds, and of fifties, and of tens. And they judged. And this is how uh, we Israelites still do it amongst ourselves. We uh, elect able-bodied to hopefully honest, unbribable men, people. And of course, uh, we have failed miserably at that. Anyway, And they judged the people at all times, hard cases they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let their father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own country. And so we we have a system where uh, if you don't get satisfaction from the local court, you can take it all the way to the Supreme Court, right? If this system were still honest as it once was, way back when, probably it became corrupted well over you know, 150 years ago, around the Civil War, uh, we would have honest government, but we don't anymore, okay? Because the Jews have infiltrated the Supreme Court as well as all of our government, okay? So, Jethro in the Quran, okay, are you back, Michael? Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry for uh, disappearing yeah. there. I was, but I will, for next time, I will find a book that founded it and I will comment on it so I don't say something that is wrong. I probably, yeah, right, I probably right. mix it up with another city, but I, yeah. I will find it. Okay, yeah. All right, very good. All right, so, uh, yeah, if you want to pick it up here, uh, I'm, uh, I'm down at Jethro in the Quran. Yes, okay. Uh, so, Jethro in the Quran. Uh, the Quran has much to say about Jethro, um, uh, Shuab, and the Midianites. And this is then, again, a reference from the Quran. Right, uh, the Surah. Surah 11.86. And on to Maidian, we sent their brother, um, Shuaib. He said unto them, O my people, worship God. Ye have no God but him. Um, Sail says Midian was a city of uh, um, Hias on the Red Sea, southeast of um, Sinai. And the same as the uh, Modian of Protonomy. Uh, What was remaining of of it... uh, um, at the time of the prophet was demolished in the following wars. Um, Shu'ib, Muslim writer, generally identify um, Shu'ib with Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses. Aha, so it's the same name. This yes. is the same person, but no right. name. Yeah, he's got many names that we were finding out in the various traditions. Yeah, please continue. 
Um, yes, uh, Baidwai says he was the son of uh, uh, Mikhail, uh, the son of uh, Yashar, uh, the son of Midian, and uh, uh, Tafsir i Rauf. Uh, sorry for my butchering the pronunciation. Tafsir i Rawufi. Yeah, in, in, the, in those in those languages, they pronounce practically every vowel. Okay, it's very rare that they combine uh, combine vowels like we do in English. You know, like o o and o i into a single syllable. So it's tafsir i raufi. Back to you, raufi. Tafsir i raufi. Yes, there you go. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Relates that he was um, descended from Lot. Median, having married the author of Lot. Ah. Um, in the commentary of the Syrian, uh, Syrian um, Ephraim, Jethro is called uh, um, Shuaib. And that is notes on the Roman Urdu uh, Quran. Okay. Okay, so here is the origin of the Arabic name of um, Hubab. Okay, uh, before you get there, there's some interesting comments in the chat room that because uh, uh, uh uh, earlier reference that the uh, the Hebrew word shalom uh, probably uh, is very common among the various uh, nations of Mesopotamia, and Nimblehorse has uh, states here that shalim with an I is the god of dusk in the Canaanite religion. Okay, so we see the Canaanites. Uh, perverted <laughs> the concept of peace, and they worship a Canaanite god by the name of Shalim. Okay, uh, and Swamp Fox includes a uh, paleo uh, paleo Hebrew version of the name of Yahweh. Uh, and Brother Abraham says the whole deal with Cheddar Lorimer was a family feud, hence the peace offering. Psalm two one: Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Yeah, the, the world is the world is uh, conspiring against us, right? There's no doubt about that. And so, yeah, yeah. And uh, Midian's children are of incest by Lot's daughter. That's also a possibility, right? Okay. But... Uh, yeah, uh, well, Lot's, uh, I don't know if that would be incest, because uh, Lot's daughters lay with their father. And so the Moab and Ammon were products of incest. There's no doubt about that. All right. So, but, so the Midianites were racial kinsmen, absolutely. And uh, whether or not they were incestuous, I'm not sure. But uh, back to you. Yes. And I found the city I was thinking about. It is okay. called. Yeah, Jericho. Oh, okay, yeah, Jericho. Well, yeah, it has yeah. the same uh, first uh, syllable. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Yari. Yeah, yeah, uh, Yaru. Uh, very close, right? Yeah, but they are completely different, different, and, and different stuff here. So I'm sorry for my that I yeah. I I had them mixed up, but Jericho was the city I was looking for. So sorry yeah. for the confusion. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one who's confused. <laughs> right, oh, that's that's why we're going through this. Right, all right, back to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, Jethro, Jethro, Jethro. Jethro is now in the Quran. <laughs> right, these are all tongue twisters, man. Wow, okay. 
And the the Quran um, uh, and has a much wait. I only read that one. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's origin of Arabic name of Hubab. Right. Hubab. Okay. Hubab. No. Now I'm up to speed. I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No miracles wrought by uh, Shuab are described either in the Quran or the traditions. However, they say, after use, that he gave his son-in-law uh, that wonder-working rod uh, with which he performed all those mar- miracles in Egypt and the desert, and also excellent advice and instructions. And that is from um, Exodus uh, do 18, 18 right. verse 13, yeah. Okay. Uh, when uh, he had this sure name of uh, Kathib al-Anbiya, uh, uh, or the uh, preacher um, to the prophets. And uh, I don't read that yeah. after there. So here's a, a, here's yeah. a little reference okay. then. So here we have 89. The chief of his people, who were elected with pride, answered, We will surely cast thee, O um, Shuab. And those who um, believed with thee out of our city, or else thou shalt certainly return unto our religion, he said. What? Though we averse thereto. Okay. Uh, we will surely cast thee out of our city. God will relate the Jewish traditions of similar import regarding Jethro. Okay, well, if it's a rabbinical tradition he's referring to, it uh, it can't be real, <laughs> right? Uh, sometimes sometimes they accurately you know report traditions, but most often not. So uh, apparently, what's going on here is that Jethro is being rejected by his own kinsmen, okay, for uh, making league with the Israelites. So you know we have a so we know that the Midianites were they're related they're kinsmen of the of the israelites right but they gradually became paganized over time right this is why even during the exodus we have the uh situation with balaam the prophet and uh one of the israelite men taking uh, an evil midianite woman to wife you know she was obviously paganized to the extent that she was no longer acceptable as a woman of Israel, okay, as a bride for an Israelite man. So then Phineas came along and took a javelin and, uh, you know, took care of it, <laughs> took care of the situation. And uh, this was of Yahweh because 40,000 Israelites were healed of the plague as soon as Phineas did that, okay? Yeah, we need some more Phineas priests in the world today. Back to you. Yes, and that plague must have been race mixing. It's exactly. Yeah, forbidden marriages of all kinds, right? Race mixing is a small part of it. See, these Midianites were of the same race, but they were so badly paganized that they they were no earthly good. <laughs> they, they were not, you know, we couldn't mix with them anymore. That's how bad they got. All right, back to you. Ah, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, and this, they say up here, the Quran or the traditions. So the traditions they're referring to in this text is then Jewish uh, rabbinical traditions. Right, yeah, much of the Quran is Jewish, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or the traditions, yeah, so they are, it is the same. Yeah, they said or the traditions, so they are the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll just interject here real quick because uh, the tradition is, the story goes, even for, among uh, uh, Arabs, that uh, Muhammad was illiterate. And so he could not have written the Quran. 
So he hired a bunch of Jewish rabbis to uh, start writing the Quran, and then you know the Arabs around him added material to it, and that's what the Quran is. It's basically based on Jewish thinking, not Israelite thinking. Back to you. Exactly. Yeah, but that's it's basically a Jewish book. That's right. So that there you have the white nationalists have their Jewish book. There you go. <laughs> All right. Not the Bible, anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. It can be um, inferred uh, from this that um, Shaub, Jethro, had the true faith. And this was the reason he was cast out of the city alone uh, with other believers. Okay. Very good. And this is uh, Yeah. Uh, and this is indicative of uh, a schism in the a religious schism. beliefs. A schism. schism. Yeah. And. Um, in the religious beliefs of Midian and the beginning of the paganization of the Arabs from the surrounding tribes. All right, we very good. From verse 88, that the very least he worshipped God. He was a priest of the Most High of in Midian. Yeah, so Jethro had the same problem Moses. Uh, his followers refused to obey Yahweh, okay? All right. Isn't that the same you have today? That's right. It's even worse today. Yeah, even worse today. Today, yeah. the people reject it instead. Amen. Uh, okay. So, and here is then, I guess, a reference from the Quran again. Yeah, so, Sur- Surah 1188. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, uh, Shuaib, said, Oh, my people, tell me, if I have received an evident declaration from my Lord, and he has bestowed on me, and excellent provisions, and I will not um, consent unto you in that which uh, I forbid you. Do I seek any other than your reformation uh, to the um, utmost of my power? My support is from God alone. On him do I trust, and unto him do I turn me. O my people, let not your opposing um, of me draw on you a vengeance like unto the uh, that which um, fell on the people of Noah, or the people of Hud, or the people of uh, uh, Sally. Neither was the people of Lot um, far distant from you. Um, uh, ask pardon, therefore, of your Lord, and be turned unto him, for my Lord is merciful and loving. They answered, Oh, Shub, we understand not much of what you say. <laughs> okay. And we see thee to be a man of no power among us. If it had not been for the sake of thy family, we had surely stoned thee. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Neither could the two have prevailed against us. Shub said, Oh, my people. Is my family more worthy in your opinion than God? And do you cast him behind you with neglect? Verily, my Lord, um, comprehendeth that which ye do. Okay, all right. So you will be judged for what you're doing. All right. Very good. So it's very interesting that Jethro had the same problem with his people that Noah, I'm sorry, that Moses was having with his own people, you know. A complete lack of faith in Yahweh. All right? All right, please continue. Uh, yes. A man of new power, the Arabic word uh, daif, weak, 
signifying also in uh, um, Himiyaridic dialect, blind. Okay. Some suppose that um, Shuabos was so, and that the Midianites objected uh, that to him as a um, defect would disqualified him for the prophet office. Okay, uh, I think the word blind here might be uh, a pejorative instead of a literal, okay? Because as we see here, his own people rejected him because he was a Yahweh believer and a believer in Yahweh's laws. So they referred to him as being blind. So he may not have been literally blind, but blind from their perspective. Back to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That sounds, uh, yeah, they are there for for them. He is yes. blind. Yeah. Okay, because they were descending into paganism, and he didn't see their their way. <laughs> okay, but uh, what what did Yahshua say? If uh, the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Boy, uh, we're we're we're, huh, we're swimming in ditches, folks, and the ditches are filling up with water, and our people are drowning. All right, back to you. Yes, they are. They have not uh, smelled smelled the coffee yet either. <laughs> right? So. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, the Elohim speak of the destruction of the city of uh, Midian, Midian in uh, Surah 1196, an event referred to earlier in verse 71 of Surah 9 concerning repentance. Okay, the Kenites. All right, so, uh, yeah, actually I was supposed to uh, do a word study of the word Kenite. Maybe I can look that up while you proceed here, okay? Because uh, the uh, strong concordance uh, does not do a complete job of defining that term. So please continue. Yes, and this are the Canaanites. This is not the Canaanites. This is a separate entity. Right. It's uh, metalsmiths. Yeah, and uh, we can't confuse the two. A lot of uh, Bible commentators automatically assume that Canaanite means a descendant of Cain, and that's not the case. Okay. Yeah. Exactly, but I mean, that's important to know. This is not the Canaanites, this is yeah. Kenites. That's right. Okay, the Kenites. The Kenites, uh, the Kenites or uh, Kenites, uh, Strong's uh, 7017, were a tribe of Smith, descended from Midian, son of Keturah. Their main area of habitation was probably in the southeast of uh, uh, Akuba, uh, but they were to be found much farther afield, as we shall see. The Kenites are variously referred to by classical historians as uh, um, Kenari. Okay. Uh, uh, Kenai. Yeah, um, okay. All right, I've got it. This is a really good reference here from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Kenite, a member of a tribe of itinerant metalsmiths related to the Midianites and the Israelites who plied their trade while traveling in the region of Araba the desert rift valley extending from the Sea of Galilee to the Gulf of Aqaba from at least the 13th century to the 9th century BC. Strong Concordance does not contain this definition. It only have, uh, The only definition it has of the word Kenite is a descendant of Cain. So the Strong Concordance needs to be updated. Back to you. Yes. Um, so there's the next name. Um, Kenios, or simply Cain. And that's maybe Confucius say it's Cain, because then you're maybe, and that's uh, then a reference to Numbers 24, 22. 
Notably, they tend to receive favorable mention in the Bible. The book of Judges tell us that the descendants of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, traveled with the children of Judah from Jericho, um, that is Deuteronomy 34.3, to south that form a Canaanite city of Arad, which lay beyond the northern wilderness of Judah. Uh, Judges 1.16 And the descendants of the uh, Canaanite, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of um, Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the uh, Negeb near Arab. Uh, and they went and settled with the people. Um, Arad was also the location for the Jewish town of uh, uh, Kinnah. That is from Joshua 15.22. Okay. Judges 4.11. the author means the Judahite town here, not the Jewish town. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Now, um, Heber, the Kenite, had separated from the Kenites, uh, uh, the descendants of Hubab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in um, Sa'anan-Nim, which is near Kadesh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, By the way, that's, that's interesting because I was wondering, uh, in uh, the uh, country of Romania, one of their capital cities, biggest cities, is Arad. And so this name was probably carried by you know, our ancestors into Romania, and uh, that's probably why they named it Arad. Okay, back to you. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Kadesh mentioned here is within the tribal lands of Naphtali in the northern part of Israel. Hence, Heber removed himself uh, quite some distance from his fellow Kenites. Uh, the south country, uh, KJV or Negeb, uh, RSV of Genesis 21 um, is recognized as the land south of Palestine and adjoining in Midian. The name as Sanan Nim in verse 11 appropriately means removings or wanderings. Okay. Uh, hence, it appears that part of the Canaanite tribe uh, at some time became closely associated with even incorporated into the tribes of Judah. Um, Okay. Yeramel. So these are yes, not Kenites, descendants of Cain. These are Midianites, descended from Abraham. Okay. Major difference here. Back to you. Yes, that is a big difference. Yeah. Uh, Yeramel was the great grandson of the patriarch Judah. It is noted that the uh, Reshabits um, uh, from Jeremiah 35, 6 unto 10 were also a clan of the Kenites, and whose uh, progenitor was Hamath. The following text is from the end of one genealogical um, record of the house of Judah. Okay. First uh, yeah, that information just noted may be incorrect. Uh, if, the, if we're referring to the Rechabites who... Uh, uh, no, I, I'm thinking... Uh, I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm thinking of a different time. I'm thinking of the days of Joshua. So back to you, right? Okay. So, here is First Chronicles 2.55. The families also describe that uh, dwelt in Jabez, the uh, Tiranthias, the um, Shim e Athias, and the Su e Kathias. These are the Kenites who came from Hamath, the father of the house of um, Reshab. Uh, okay. Described here are 
the uh, Sophirim in a note in this verse, uh, Bullinger, uh, and that's the Companion Bible, says of the Kenites, they became an, an ascetic people, and by being mentioned here in connection with scribes, may have been teachers. This accounts for Jetho ac- uh, action in Second Kings 10, 15 and 15. Uh, it is possible, therefore, that at least some of the so-called Jewish scribes may have been Orient Kenites who had become fully integrated with Judah. Well, and that's not true. Yeah, well, that, uh, not Jewish. Uh, so we're speculating here that some Midianites known as Kenites uh, became scribes for the house of Judah. That is certainly possible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But not Jews. No, not Jews, no. (laughs) They want to, but they're not. Right. Um, Second Kings 10, 15 until 16, uh, and 23 until 28. And when he departed from there, he met uh, uh, Jehon Adab, the son of Reshab, coming to meet him. And he uh, greeted him and said to him, is your heart true to my heart, is mine is to yours? And Yeon Adab answered, It is. Yehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand, and Jehu took him up with him into the chariot. Uh, and he said, Come with me and see my seal for the, lo- for the Lord. So he had him ride in his chariot. Then Jehu went into the house of Baal with Jehon uh, Adab, the son of uh, Reshab. And he said to the worshipper of Baal, Search and see that there is no servant of the Lord here among you, but only the worshipper of Baal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then okay. he went to the uh, offer sacrifice and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had stationed uh, 80 men outside and said, the, the man who always uh, allows any of those whom I uh, give into your hands to escape shall forfeit his life. So as soon as he had made an end of offerings and burnt offerings, Jehu said to the uh, guard uh, and the officers, Go in and slay them. Let not a man escape. So when they put them to the sword, the guard and the officer cast them out and went into the inner room of the house of Baal. And they brought out the pillar that was in the house of Baal and burned it. And they demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal and made it um, uh, latrine in this valley. That is a, a sewer. So it's still a sewer even today. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. Thus, he uh, whipped out Baal from Israel. Yeah, he wiped out Baal from Israel. So uh, I found this uh, reference because I wasn't clear about who the Rechabites actually are. This is from BibleAsk.org. Uh, who were the Rechabites in the Bible? The Rechabites were mentioned in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35. The prophet's experience with them took place in an earlier period of his ministry. 
This was shortly before the Babylonians came against Jerusalem. The founder of this family was Jonadab, or Jehonadab, Jeremiah 35.6. This godly man lived in the days of King Jehu, king of Samaria, 841 to 814 B.C., about 240 years earlier. It is clear that his effect was so significant that Jehu was glad to have him by his side, and Jonadab was pleased to be with Jehu because of his zeal for Yahweh, 2 Kings 10.15 and 16, Yonadab commanded his followers to have a strict way of life. Back to you. Yes, thank you. Okay. Josephus, right. who elsewhere calls the Canaanites uh, Cantidus, speaks of them as uh, the race of the Sheshemites, Siki Meton, in his account of Saul's expedition. And that is from Antiquities, uh, and that is number six, uh, seven, three, I think. Yes. The the Targums transformed the name into uh, Salmite from uh, Salma, the father of uh, Bethlehem, who seems to be uh, termed uh, a Kenite in 1 Chronicles uh, 2, 54 and 55. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so I was... So we're seeing how important it is to understand that there is a second definition of the term Kenite that doesn't exist in strong concordance, but we're seeing that these people are of Midianite origin. They're descendants of Abraham, not descendants of Cain. All right, back to you. Yes, thank you. Um, The Sam VS of Genesis 15.19 inserts the same name before the Kenite, and that is from volume 2, page 834. However, the uh, uh, Sheshemites were at one one time a sub-tribe of Manasseh, and that is from Numbers 26, 29 to 31. So, you see if his comment may refer to the period before Manasseh's occupation of, of that city. Alternatively, the Canaanites may have intermarried with the uh, Manassites. Yeah, Manassites. Manassites. Right. Um, the so A.H. Ones. Says, <laughs> right. okay. says uh, knows that the Canaanites were nomads like the uh, Bedouin uh, building, although he claims that uh, the latter are descendants of the Amalekites spoken of in Scripture. The yeah. Canaanites inhabitants... Yeah, so here's the confusion. Here's the confusion. If you assume that they're from the Amalekites, i.e. Canaanites, and not from Midian, then you're going to come to the wrong conclusion. All right, back to you. Yes, uh, the Canaanites inhabited the Negev desert south of Judah, and that is First Samuel twenty-seven ten. In 1 Samuel 30, 29, the elders of Judah are to be found in uh, Canaanite cities. Okay. Right, so this is very interesting. I've never heard of this intermarriage between the Midianites, of whom Jethro was one, and and we're even talking about the Rahabites were apparently very um, uh, righteous Midianites that uh, eventually attached themselves to the house of Judah, uh, I, I've never heard of this uh, association before. So this is very important information. All right, back to you. 
Yes, thank you. Uh, Jael was the wife of Heber, a Kenite, Judges 4.17. Uh, Deborah, the prophets and mother of Israel, blessed Jael in her uh, victory uh, song because Jael's courage and resolve in killing um, Cesera, the enemy of Israel. Judges 5.24 uh, until 27.31. Quote, most blessed a woman be Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, of tent dwelling woman most blessed. Okay, so uh, also- Jael was not a Canaanite, which is what many uh, Bible interpreters assume because of the confusion of the word Kenite, meaning metalsmith, with the word Kenite, meaning descendant of Cain. It's not the same definition. All right, back to you. Yes. Um, he asked water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a, a lordy bowl. She put her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the worksman mallet. She struck uh, uh, Cicera a blow. She cr- uh, crushed his head. She shattered, uh, uh, pierced, uh, pierced his temple. Uh, he sank. He fell. He lay still. At her feet, uh, at her feet, he sank, he fell, where he sank, there he fell dead. So perish all thine enemies, O Lord, but thy f- uh, friends be like the sun um, as he rise in his might. And the lamb had, had rest for 40 years. Okay, so contrary to popular speculation, Jael was not a Canaanite woman. She was a member of the tribe of metalsmiths, probably of Midian. In fact, has to be of Midian, okay? And that's the only way. So Deborah is singing her praises, and Deborah actually wrote a song about Jael, which you just quoted. You just quoted the verses of it. All right, back to you. Yes. Uh, this blessing is uh, reminiscent uh, of uh, the one open... Marim, mother of uh, Joshua, the uh, Messiah. And that is Luke 1, 28 and 42. Um, it is of note that uh, Jael's uh, decisive action helped usher in a period of 40 years of peace for Israel. Heber and his family apparently went to Kadesh in northern Israel following um, Sisera's defeat. Okay. Um, in, a, in another incident, we see that after he was commanded to destroy the uh, Amalekites, uh, Amalekites, uh, the Amalekites, Amalekites. Yeah. Uh, Saul honorably advised the Canaanites to move away from their former associates in order not to be killed along with them. Okay. First now, Samuel 15, 6. Yeah, now there were metalsmiths among the Canaanites, right? Okay, but I think Saul is... A, addressing uh, metalsmiths of perhaps Midian who had moved into this area, as the author had stated, that uh, some of them moved into Palestine, southern Palestine. All right, back to you. Yeah. Uh, this again sounds like this, you have one of the, what to say, the good that is have, uh, then has also then the, the evil seed has a very similar name. That's right. Yeah, we confront this very often in Scripture. Yes. So we have to be able to distinguish between the two. Thank you. Yeah, they are. This is, this is yeah. 
Um, Saul gave the people the chance to save themselves in view of their help to Israel on previous occasions. However, uh, the fate of the uh, Amalekites and the Canaanites was prophesied together in Numbers 24. Numbers 24, 20 on 22. Then he looked at um, Amalek and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but in the end he shall come to destruction. And he looked on the Canaanite and took up um, his discourse and said, Enduring is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be wasted. How long shall uh, Asher take you away captive? Okay. And this Cain must then be the reference to the Canaanite's Cain, not Cain from the Jewish Cain. Yes, right. Yeah, the the, uh, Canaanite from uh, Genesis 4, which uh, relates to the descendants of Cain. And it continues on, you know, sporadically throughout Scripture. So we have to look very carefully to make sure this is not a um, whether it is a Kenite of Midian, a metalsmith from Midian, or a direct descendant of Cain. These are the two categories. We can't get those two confused. Okay. Yes. So the northern Kenites, Cain, were thus to be taken captive by Assyrians, probably at the same time that of the kingdom of Israel was conquered, that is, in about 733 BC. Uh, The mention of um, nest in the rock here um, is a play on the word ken, or ken, and that is Strong's Concordance uh, 1764, uh, and the tribal name Kenite. The rock is is, uh, thought by some to be Sela, also known as Petra. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so... Petra was eventually occupied by the Canaanites, but it was not built by them. Okay. There was Ah. numerous wars between the Arabs and the Canaanites uh, throughout this period, but uh, I don't don't think it was built by the Canaanites. It was a a very old monument, probably built by uh, some tribe of Arabs, right? Back to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Tristram, uh, in the land of Israel, uh, claims that the cave of the Canaanites were located around uh, En Gedi. This is identified with uh, uh, Hasaun, Tamar, dividing the palm tree, 2 Chronicles 20 and 2 which was originally occupied by the Amor- um, Amorites uh, and is claimed by some to be the oldest city in the world, even older than Hebron, uh, with its uh, very long record of continuous uh, occupation. Okay, so it may have been built by the Amorites, or maybe it might have been built by giants. I think some of the Amorites were giants. All right, okay, very interesting. All right, uh, the Spartans. So, uh, Let's see what he has yes. to say about Spartans. Yes, uh, although there is some debate as to the true origin of the Spartans, both Herodotus, the father of history, and Eusebius claim that they were also descendants from uh, Keturah. Interesting. They are often referred to as the um, Lacedaemonians from Lacedaemon or Lacedaemonians. Strictly speaking, the city-state of Sparta, the capital. Okay. 
the beginnings of this important city and state are given in the Wikipedia article on Sparta. Around the middle of the 6th century BC, the southern uh, Peloponnese uh, was Spartan territory. The territory was divided into two parts, uh, Laconia and Messenia, which were uh, separated by the uh, Taigetus mountain range. Unlike other Greek cities, Sparta controlled much Ar- arable land. Earliest archaeological evidence testify settlement in, in Sparta dates from around 950 BC. Okay, that would, be, that would be within the time that the Israelites began migrating away from the Middle East prior to uh, you know, and around the time of the Assyrian captivity. Back to you. Yeah. Oh, a classical source uh, tell us that Sparta was found in the 10th uh, century BC. It consisted of the four villages uh, of uh, Pitane, Mesua, uh, Limnai, and uh, Konaru, which were later united under one government. We will recall that David conquered Jerusalem and occupied it from Hebron, circa 1005 BC, and ruled there for 33 years. He had occupied lands of Kedar and of uh, Mesh in uh, Cappadocia, and the control of the, uh, those lands was extended to his son um, uh, Solomon, uh, circa 978 BC. Solomon ruled uh, with those lands under subjugation, subjugation for a further um, 40 years to 938. A sections of uh, the sons of Kedar and uh, Nabaioth in northern Arabia, near the Euphrat, probably moved into the Hellens or the expansion of David's uh, and established Sparta on the rule of Solomon before 950 BC. Okay. They occupied the better agricultural land of uh, Hellenes. And this is then a reference to uh, ru- uh, Rule of the King, Part 2, David, and Rule of the King, Part 3, Solomon, and the Key of David. So they say that Sparta was under the rule of Solomon. Yeah, and end of David. So uh, it's quite possible. I think the uh, Lacedaemonians are the ones who wrote a letter to the Judahites uh, saying, uh, we are kinsmen, we are of the same race as you are. In other words, Israelites. Okay. So uh, as we see throughout history, our our ancestors had intermarried with... Uh, people of the same race, you know, and uh, of Japheth and Ham, and uh, occupied certain territories. But uh, the record of history is clear. Ultimately, the Israelites took predominance, and and so this whole area known as Sparta uh, eventually became uh, under Israelite rule, okay, with various kinsmen of different tribes, uh, as is being discussed right here. All right, back to you. Yes. So, Eusebius gave uh, credence uh, to the claimed descent of the Spartans from Abraham when he wrote the following in the Antiquities of the Jews. Uh, at this time, uh, Selcius, uh, who was called the Souter, reigned of Asia, being the son of uh, Antioch the Great, and how now uh, Hyrcanius' father, Eusebius, died. 
His uncle also, Onias, died and left the high priesthood to his son, uh, Simeon. And when he was dead, Onias, his son, succeeded him in that uh, dignity. To him, it was uh, that uh, Arius, king of the Lacedaemonians, sent the embassage uh, with an epistle, the copy whereof here follows. Uh, Arius, king of the Lacedaemonians, the Onias, um, sent us greetings. We have met with certain writings whereby we have discovered that both the Jews... The Judahites, the, like, the Judahites yeah. not Jews. <laughs> okay, yeah. And the Lacedaemonians are of one stock and are derived from the kindred of Abraham. Very good. It is but just, therefore, that you, who are our brethren, should send to us about any of your concerns as you please. We will also do the same thing and esteem uh, your concerns as our own and will uh, look upon our concerns as in the common uh, with yours. Uh, the Motless who brings you this letter will bring you answers back to us. This letter is four square and the seal is an eagle with a dragon in his claws. And okay. quote. So the Lacedaemonians are declaring their oneness with the Judahites as a people, <coughs> as direct descendants of Abraham. Very good. Yeah, and the seal of an eagle with a dragon in his claws, that sounds like Dan. Dan, yeah, that's a symbol of Dan. Yeah, they probably were uh, many Danites. I, ultimately, I think the Danites took over that territory. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, let's continue. Other references to the Spartans or Lacedaemonians being on the same stock uh, as the Judahites are found in Antiquities Book 13.5h and the Apocryphal 1st Maccabees 12.6. Very good. Uh, so here is Society. The following are further selected texts from the Wikipedia article. Uh, because most Spartans' law were passed down orally and uh, uh, committed to memory, little is known about Spartan society. Spartan society was uh, considered primitive even by Greek standards. Um, Aristoteles describes the uh, kingship of Sparta as a kind of uh, unlimited and perpetual generalship. Uh, dating from the period uh, of the Persian War, the king lost the rights to declare war and was ac accompanied on the field by two um, ephors. He was uh, um, supplanted also by the ephors in the control of foreign policy. Oh, they have a constitutional monarchy. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, think if, if our leaders today could have that, that they can't declare war by themselves. Yeah, that's right. As Biden, as Biden is refusing to do in the case of Ukraine and Russia. Very interesting. I think, uh, as we've been saying, that whole war there is, is scripted to just uh, divide the world into two camps, pro-Russian and pro-Ukrainian. Take your pick. <laughs> All right, back to you. Sorry. Yeah, and drive Sweden and Finland into Ooh, NATO. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is also now that uh, that both Sweden and, and Finland submitted this application in the 18th of May, I think. Right, but Turkey opposes it because yeah, they that's have, good. Yeah, 
So it may not happen. Okay. I hope so. I yeah. hope so because they, he they claim that we have um, uh, terrorist politicians. Right. <laughs> okay. We can't have but terrorists that, now, can we? Right. No, exactly. PPK, yeah. I think they're called those uh, yeah. Kurdish um, Kurdish one. Yeah. So it's, it's good that he uh, that he opposed NATO because I don't want to have military alliances. Right, and the Kurds are also probably descendants of Abraham as well. The Kurds have lived in a mountainous region of uh, northern Turkey uh, for millennia, and they are white people, all right? And, uh, and they're actually Christians. They're white Christians living in the mountains, and they have been persecuted by uh, Saddam Hussein and uh, now by the Turks. Back to you. Yeah. Um so after the air force were introduced, they together with the two kings were executive branch of the state. Air force themselves had more power than uh, anyone in Sparta. Although the fact that they only stayed in power for a single year reduced their ability to uh, conflict with all the established power in the state. The difference with today's state in the Sparta had a special policy maker, the uh, Gerousia, a council consistent of 28 elders over the age of 65, oh, elected wow. for life and usual part of royal households. Okay. And the two kings. Yeah, I mean, that's also here you have elders, not yes. just today, kids. Right. 65. You had to be 65 to be an elder. So that means they probably had very long lifespans. They didn't have big pharma feeding them drugs to kill them, right? All right. And this was a highly agricultural area, as the author previously stated. So they probably ate good food, had clean water, et cetera, et cetera, and lived a long time. Yeah. And uh, isn't that uh, – how is it now? No, you have correct me. Uh, biblical, when are you an elder? Is it about 40 or when is it? That's a what good question. That's a good question. I, I think, uh, well, you had to be 30 years of age to be a priest, okay? So certainly above the age of 30, right? I don't know if the Bible specifies as the age, uh, a specific age of an elder. Maybe somebody in the chat room can look that up. Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious if, if they have some age for that when you're regarded as an elder. Yeah. Okay. Well, I qualify so, in any case, so nothing else matters. <laughs> All right, back to you. Okay. High state policy decisions were discussed by this council, uh, who could then propose action alternatives to the Damos, the collective body of Spartan citizenry, who would select one of the alternatives by voting. Not all inhabitants of the Spartan state were considered to be citizens, part of uh, Damos, only the ones that had followed the military training called the uh, um, Agoge were el eligible. However, the only people that is eligible to receive the uh, Agog were Spar uh, Spartanids or people who could trace their ancestry to the original inhabitants of the city. The Spartan um, exercised the full rights and duties of, the, uh, of a citizen at the age of 30. Okay. Now, this is interesting because this is, sounds very similar to what obtained in Russia in their, uh, you know, their system where you had the czar and you had the uh, nobles 
And, uh, you know, they were typically uh, military men who were given tracts of land by the czar or, or they had inherited the land. A very similar system is being described here. So it could be that the Russian system of uh, feudalism came from Sparta. It's quite possible. All right, back to you. Um, it's a bit similar in if you look into Sweden and the old generals that served under the king. They got also land. They were the one that were, had. They had. Uh, they were. Uh, what to say? They were the, highly regarded. The one the nobles, that had yeah. Yeah, yeah, the became, nobles. Right. Okay. Very good. Yeah. So we have also a bit a similar one. Yes. Uh, but uh, then I guess I read in your book uh, when I read the great impersonation now that isn't it also the case of this you mentioned this with the good figs and the bad figs that the bad figs were maybe may the one that got up to Ireland and intermarried so they are the kings and that are from there are probably maybe from the bad figs right yeah well the the book of Jeremiah is is very clear that the bad figs are in fact Israelites not Edomites but uh, the Israelites who, uh, Judites, I should say, who refused to go to Babylon and were rejected by Yahweh because they refused to take their punishment, okay? These people did, in fact, migrate to Ireland, uh, but nevertheless, they, uh, when the house of uh, uh, Zedekiah, uh, Zedekiah's daughters, uh, migrated into Ireland, uh, they they merged with the, uh, the these various tribes of uh, Judah mig- uh, merged back together, and uh, I think the curse of the bad figs was probably done away with by the ultimate intermarriage of the Zara Judah branch and the Pharaoh's Judah branch. Okay, but I I can't be positive about that. But yes, you're absolutely correct. The the evil figs were actually a reference to Judahites who refused to take their punishment in Babylon. Back to you. Yeah, because also as you also also you wrote that uh, if you look at some of the nobles and the kings that has been in Europe, all of them have not been good. No, the vast majority have not been good, right? So the curse of the bad figs still applies, no doubt. Yeah. 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 Uh, no doubt it does. When you see yeah. that history and see now how the uh, now the royalties are completely. Yeah, they're completely in line with the Edomites, the Jewish Jewish agenda now to exterminate them. And it proves that they can't be Jews because the Jews have no uh, history of kings and queens ever, right? They just don't, right? So, uh, yeah, okay. Okay, thank you. So, a strong emphasis was placed on honor and carrying out acts because it was the right thing to do. uh, Xenophon wrote about the Spartans as he observed them during an Olympic game. Quote, an elderly man was trying to find a place to sit and observe the Olympic Games as he went to uh, each section. All the other Greeks laughed as he tried to make his way through. Some ignored him. Upon entering the Spartan uh, section, all the Spartans stood and offered the elderly man their seats. Suddenly, the entire stadium applauded. All the Greeks uh, knew that was the right thing to do, but the Spartans were the only ones who did it. Hooray! <laughs> right? No, if that happened in a baseball stadium today, they'd kick that guy down the stairs, right? <laughs> so, courtesy. How about that? The Spartans are better men than we are. Over to you. 
Yeah, that's also a bit how you do, how you treat elder people. Yeah. For example, in the in the commute, commuter trains, whatever. Okay, you're an elder one want to sit. Hey, take yeah. my place. Yeah, yeah, courtesy. Whatever happened yeah. to courtesy? Do you ever even hear the word courtesy anymore? Barely. Yeah. Now it's me, me, me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, here we have training in music and literature occupied a uh, subordinate uh, position. The tireless emphasis on physical training gave Spartans the reputation of being uh, laconic, economical uh, with words, a word derived from the name of their homeland, um, Laconia. Education was also extended to girls in the belief uh, that strong and intelligent mothers would produce strong and intelligent children. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, well, this is certainly... I like this. This this sounds... uh, Here we have some some common sense. Yeah. uh, I guess it would be considered progressive, right? But yeah, absolutely. You want smart women, okay? So they were educated. But uh, that's not true of uh, Arabia. It's not true of uh, any other society except those that follow our society. All right? Uh, the vast majority of women around the world are nothing but servants to their, you know, masters, period. And they're very poorly educated outside of white civilization. Back to you. Yes. Thus, modern-day historians, with the um, uh, corroborations of ancient uh, writers, tend to uh, conclude that Spartan women were among the most educated in ancient Greek world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you why they be- that. that's why they became lesbians, <laughs> right? No, actually, there's a tradition that the um, the Spartan women were so tired of their husbands going off to war. That they went on a uh, a sex strike. They refused to lay with their husbands un- uh, unless they stopped fighting these useless wars. And a lot of wars are useless, right? So that's a very a very interesting episode in Spartan history. Back to you. Yeah, By the way, we'll have kind of, yeah. Go ahead. Wasn't that also what happened with the women in the during when they want to have the the opportunity to vote? Wasn't that the same power they used? Well, hey. well it might have been. Yeah, it, it, that might have been a modern usage of the bed. <laughs> Voting by by your bed, I guess you could call it. But we only have about yeah. two minutes left, so uh, you know maybe we we'll just take it to the uh, military section. We'll stop there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the term Spartan still remains synonymous for anyone rigorously self-disciplined or courageous in the face of pain, danger, or adversity. Okay. Sparta did not suffer under the rule of any tyrant or direct uh, uh, dictator, and its, uh, and its uh, phalaxes were considered undefeatable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. Interesting, yes. we see above that the Spartans were governed by a council consisting of 28 elders plus two kings, thereby unconsciously uh, mirroring the inner council of the 30 uh, beings in heaven. Okay, I uh, don't know what that is. The inner council of the 30 beings in heaven. <laughs> uh, I've never heard of such a council, right? Maybe, Maybe that goes back to the book of Enoch? I don't know. But uh, he, when he makes the reference like that, he should give, uh, you know, what's the origin of this uh, council? You know, just, just mentioning it in passing doesn't do us much good. All right, so 
uh, actually, you know, looking here, uh, we're getting more into uh, more recent history from this uh, article. And so, Michael, I guess uh, maybe we should scan uh, the remainder of this article and see how much of it is really germane to you know, the, the Israel message. Okay? And uh, it looks like really interesting history because uh, the, the connection between the Greeks and the Hebrews is way closer than secular scholars believe or want to believe. Okay? And so this is an example of the Spartans being descendants of Abraham who became Greeks. Right? They became Greeks. Although the Greeks originally were of Japheth, the Israelite contingent uh, uh, you know, took over eventually. And I think this, the Spartans were also Israel. The Dorian Greeks were uh, of the city of Dor, the land of Dan. Okay? So the tremendous Israelite connection to the Greek culture and civilization, which, of course, we know very well. All right, uh, Michael, thanks for narrating. Uh, this is getting really interesting. So, uh, folks... Stay tuned uh, for more programming here on Eurofolk Radio. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Thank you. Praise Yahweh. Yes. Okay, Michael, take care. Bye-bye, everybody. Beep.